Welcome to the Redeemer Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that you are blessed as you join us in walking through the Word of God together. To learn more about our ministry in St. Albans, Vermont, please visit RedeemerChurchBT.com. today is from Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 23. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you. Uh, My name is Luke. Uh, I know you probably haven't met me before. If you have, I I know a few of you. It's really good to be here. Uh, My wife and I, Lucy, she's she's trying to get away, and I'm going to, I'm calling her out. Um, She's with our son, Jonathan. He's a year and a half, and so we'll see if he can make it in the back. I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen, but we'll see. And uh, we live in Hinesburg. So we trekked out from the wilds of Hinesburg to come here to St. Albans. <laughs> no, we love, we love St. Albans. We love your church, Redeemer. Lucy and I, um, back when uh, the, um, the Hunleys, the Wilsons, and the Badgers were praying and where to go and hoping to come here to St. Albans, both Lucy and I were really considering asking God, should we join the, this team? Should we come up here and, and be a part of the church plant? We didn't, um, but we really wanted to, and uh, the Lord led us elsewhere to stay at New King, um, but we love, we do feel a part of your church, even though we're not here, but we love Redeemer and what God's doing, um, so it's been great to talk to a few of you and see what God is doing in your lives. Um, I am a, a pastor at my, our church, New King. I'm a, a lay elder, so I lay around a lot. I don't do much. I just lay around. But uh, I do. I have a full-time job. I'm a apprentice's a, oh no, apprentice, a carpenter, carpenter's apprentice, however you want to say it. Uh, and so I love doing carpentry, but I also love the Word of God. I love this relationship that God has given me. And so I hope that today, that you guys can see just what we read today, the key, the the, the center of our relationship, Jesus Christ. Your hearts can be stirred, your affections can be stirred for the one who is the focus of our relationship, Christ. Um, I just want to read um, a quick uh, proverb that you guys have in your, posted in your bathroom. 
And I thought, this is really applicable here. Um, it's in Proverbs 24. This was not planned. Um, Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. And the writer says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Our house, the, you know, the church, our lives are built on wisdom and understanding. And what that, is that wisdom and understanding? It's what we're talking about today. It's that Jesus is God. He is Lord, and that he is supreme above all things, and that he is sovereign over all things. And that means something for our lives, our daily lives. So let this be this rare treasure, this precious treasure, these truths that we're going to be looking at today. Take them in. Let them fill, fill them up in your house. Let them be what you, your house is built on, your life is built on. Uh, so let me just pray, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll get into it. Um, dear Father, we thank you so much that you've given us your word, that you, you reveal yourself to us, God. It's, it's not a mystery. It's, it's clearly written on black and white pages, Lord, that we can see who Jesus is. So, Father, I pray for your grace this morning that you will help me to share your word, to preach your word. I ask that I will not add anything to it, that you'll help me to not add anything to it or take away anything from it, Father. And I pray for my brothers and my sisters, my friends, that you would speak to their hearts and that you, the Holy Spirit, would encourage them and exhort them and challenge them. So in the name of Jesus Christ, the powerful name of Christ, I pray, amen. 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 Uh, so uh, just so you get an idea where we're headed, we're going to look at verses 15 through 20 or through 23 and just try to understand what Paul is saying here about Jesus. And then we'll have a little conclusion and see what, how that can affect our lives. What does it mean for you today? Um, uh, but first, so before we get into those verses, just want to, you probably know a lot about Jesus. Maybe, if, maybe you don't know anything about Jesus. Maybe it's the first time you've been to church. But maybe you've heard about him a couple of, from somewhere. Um, well, I just want to ask, a few questions of who, who, what do other people say Jesus is? So I've got a few notes here. Uh, what does Islam say Jesus is? Yeah, we're going there, Islam. What do, what do they say? Well, Islam, uh, they say that Jesus was a great prophet. He uh, said a lot of great things about Allah. Uh, he was sinless. He was born of a virgin. We, he performed miracles. We agree on that. But then they say that yet he was not God, nor did he die on the crucifix as a, uh, on a cross in the crucifixion, or did he nor did he rise from the dead. So we would agree, disagree with them that. And then also, you know, what do um, Mormons say or uh, the uh, Latter Day Saints? What do they believe about Jesus? Well, they say that Jesus was the firstborn spirit child of the Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. Yeah, oh. Um, and then he progressed to deity. So he kind of climbed his way through the corporate ladder to become God. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And so there's, in the Mormon belief, there's a, a heavenly God, Father, and then a heavenly Mother, and then they had Jesus. So um, that's what they believe. Now, in the day and age of the Colossians, there was this thing, and I think Ethan had talked about this with you guys, called Gnosticism, which means knowledge. And so there was this group, it was really a, a predominant or philosophy going on at the time, and what they said that Jesus was just a man who had a secret knowledge. He wasn't God, but he had this really um, interesting, important knowledge that would bring you to enlightenment. And so that's why you want to follow Jesus, because he has a secret knowledge. Well, I'm not going to try to dissect all of those beliefs. I'm just going to throw them out there. But what, we're going to, what we want to know is, what does the Word of God say about Christ? What does Jesus say of himself? You know, when you want to know someone, you, get, you go to the source, right? And so we're going to go here to the Word. There are a couple of places that you can really see that. We could go to, we will probably be going to Hebrews. We'll be going to John, uh, where Jesus really reveals himself and talks about his deity. But here is one of the most clear um, and powerful, just shows who Jesus is. So, without any further ado, um, let's look at verse 15, where Paul says that Jesus is the image of, of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. This word image, it's, it's like Jesus is, um, it's, a, it's a likeness between him and God. It's a, as if Jesus is standing in front of a mirror and what he sees is God because he is God. He is the image of God. Um, and this word also, image, is related to the word manifestation, which just means the appearance or uh, the display. So Jesus is the appearance of God. And then Paul also makes a point about that the image of the invisible God. So no one has seen this God because he's invisible, right? You can look at the Old Testament and no one could see God. He is so holy that they would fall on their faces and be destroyed. But this invisible God appears. He shows himself. You can see, actually, in uh, uh, John chapter 14, as I flipped to there, uh, John chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, uh, Philip, one of his disciples, said, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is saying, If you've seen me, Jesus, you've seen the Father. He, God is made visible. And then this phrase, uh, firstborn of all creation, it seems a little confusing to us, doesn't it? Because when we think of firstborn, we think of uh, a child, you know, who's the oldest. You know, I'm, I'm uh, the firstborn of my family, so I'm the eldest. So that means I was the first one. So it sounds like it's saying, well, then Jesus was the firstborn of creation. He was the first one created. 
But Jesus was not created if he was God, if he is God. So what this is getting at is more of a figurative language where he's saying the first one, the first being to create all things. That's who Jesus is. And then down in uh, verse, uh, ne- the next verse, verse 16. For by him, but for by Jesus, all things were created. This continues when he's talking about the firstborn of creation. He says, for by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invis- invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Oh, this is uh, verse 16 of chapter 1 we're, of Colossians. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Um, so, for by him all things were created. Uh, let's look at those other passages that I referenced um, where we can see that all things were created by Christ. That Jesus was with, is God, and he created the world. In uh, Hebrews chapter 1, These are the other uh, passages that we can see who Christ is. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed to the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for the sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And then in uh, the book of John, chapter 1, we see this awesome description of who Jesus is. And the, the other Gospels, the other you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all talk about Jesus' birth. But in the book of John, at the beginning, he talks about Jesus from way back in the beginning when Jesus was with God creating the world. So in chapter 1 of the book of John, in the beginning was the Word. This is verse 1. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus was with God. He created all things. He and the Father and the Holy Spirit, we're getting into another topic, the Trinity, they were three in one, three persons in one God created the world, created us. So, this shows that for by him, for by Christ, all things were created. And then he talks about all these um, kingdoms and dominions and rulers um, that 
Jesus created these. So th- this is a reference to uh, the angels, to the demons, to um, uh, the kingdoms of this world that Jesus has created them. That they did not, they don't have their own existence in themselves, but God is their originator. Um, and then in verse 17, we see in Colossians 1, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This again goes back that Jesus was with God before there was anything. For all, all of time, there was him. In, uh, the, but then this phrase here, in him all things hold together. This is really um, important for us. This is, uh, in, yeah, it's a, Jesus is holding all things together. That everything is held by Jesus. You know, when God created the world, he, was, he did not become a distant God and move off and just leave it to run itself, to not, um, to do its own thing. God is presently with us. God is still in control of this earth. And what might seem like chaos, a lot of the natural disasters, God is not taken by surprise by that or saying, well, I didn't make it very good. Um, But he's allowing it to happen. This is Jesus holding all things together. He is in control of our world. Even... The, um, the small, we don't even call it a snowstorm, what we just got, the little flurries that hit us. Even that he allowed to come through. And the sun that he has in control of, that could, if it somehow got a little bit closer to us, which we would never have another snowstorm, he, can, he keeps it where it is. He controls it. It's in his hands. And then, think about this. You, your body, your life, your breath, your, the, breathe, the breath that you have right now, that you're, just, you're able to sit there and listen to me, unfortunately, you are able to breathe through it. You have your breath. And you are able to live without Jesus giving you this breath. That's impossible. And this is God's grace to us all. You know, if you don't know the Lord, he's still showing you mercy by giving you breath. He shows us this grace to all of us. But for us who are believers, I mean, how much more important and and powerful is that, that we know that our Lord controls our every breath. He he holds us. He holds us together. The things that happen to us, what might are very hard, the trials, the painful sufferings, the Lord is in control of. He's sovereign over. And we can trust him and know that he's Lord. He's God. And then in verse 18, we see that what, the other thing, what else is Jesus sovereign over? Well, he says, and Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. The body, the church. You know, Paul makes it clear he's not talking about something else. He's talking about right here where we're standing, where we're sitting, the church, his church. He is the 
the ruler of it, the, the leader of it, the lead pastor, the elder, he is in charge. You know, we, we think that we have some control of it, but it is all God's grace and God's rulership of us. We want to submit our lives to him. We want to follow his leadership and what he's doing. Um, and as head, as the leader, um, he also leads the way in being the first one to rise from the dead. That phrase he says there, he is the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So it's the same word that we saw earlier, you know, the first one to do this. Jesus, you know, you're, in your, your life, you're, 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 uh, if, if you have put your faith in Christ, he, you were dead in your sins. You're not able to get away from your sin. You needed God to draw you out of it, to bring you to life. And Jesus has walked that same path. He died for our sins, and he rose from the grave to give us new life. And so he has gone before us. He has shared in this, this life that we experience now, this salvation. And then in verse 19, we see, for in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This, uh, Paul says this again in chapter 2, verse 9. For in him, Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So what is this getting at? What's Paul saying? Is that all of God dwelt in Christ. That Christ was God. There, you know, Jesus wasn't 50-50, half man and half God. He was 100% God and 100% man. Yeah. So, in the, thank you. Yeah, the Lord is, well, not me, it's Christ. Anyway, um, uh, Jesus is, he, in, he's, he shared with us in our humanity, in our struggles, in our sufferings, and in our um, temptations, yet he did not sin, but he was God. And that's where we can really trust him But then, as we go on, in verse 20, he says this, And through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Through Jesus, God is reconciling the world. He has reconciled those who have put their faith in Christ He's also seeking to reconcile his creation. To reconcile means to restore something to a former unity. So we all shared uh, at one time with, when Adam and Eve were, was with God, they enjoyed a unity that no one else has really had before. But we now, because Christ has reconciled us, we share a glimpse, really, a much closer unity with the Lord. And in the future, when we're with God, we'll have the fullness, the completion of that unity. But we're able to enjoy this relationship with God, this closeness, this knowledge, this understanding of knowing who Jesus is. It's not a mystery. 
We don't have to wonder who is God, who is Jesus. His word tells us. And then, how does he reconcile us? Well, he does it by making peace by the blood of his cross. By him dying on the cross, taking the wrath of God that we deserved for us. Jesus loved us and gave his life for us. It's the only way that we can have peace between God and us. It's the only way. And God, in his mercy, in his love, he gave us a holy substitute, and that being Jesus. So there's no, uh, no one else could do that. No greater um, being, no, there's no one, none of us could do it. Nothing that we could offer, nothing that we could work for, no way of living It's only our supreme and sovereign Lord Jesus Christ that we are able to have that. So, there's more though. In verses 21 through 23, Paul writes about who we are and why it matters to us that that Jesus is God. Um, And you can see in verse 21, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds... This is a description of us. But, you know, I I find it a little encouraging. I don't know about you. Because while he is saying that this is what you used to be, he's saying that's that's what's encouraging about it. That's what you, you used to be. Once you were like this. You know, sometimes we think we can't change in our lives, that we can't be different. But by the blood of Christ, by the power of Jesus Christ, God himself, we can change drastically. Mm. Mm. That is a good, very good question. So what you're getting at is God, he, not only does he save us now presently from our sins and he declares us righteous when, we, when he sees our past, But in our continued life, we struggle with sin, don't we? We all know it. We struggle. And yes, yeah, hate, greed. We each have our own individual struggles. But the Lord, Jesus, he makes us, he sanctifies us now. His blood also covers for us now. It's not just a one and done, it's not just in the past, but it's a one and done for all time. And we need that continually. Um, yeah. Um, and then in um, uh, verse, uh, so this is our new identity. And it starts when we were reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus. And so in verse 22, he says this. Jesus has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So the Lord Christ, he gave himself so that we could be presented to God as holy, as blameless. This is what is, could be referred to as, um, as uh, the, our justification as being declared righteous, as Jesus saying, God saying, I put my, my life upon theirs, my, my perfect life, 
my, um, my life that I lived upon their life. And they are seen as God sees Jesus as holy. And then uh, Paul encourages the Colossians to continue in their faith. So in verse 23, he says, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So this verse sounds like, I don't know about what you think, but it, it sounds like it's a, when you hear that word if, right? It sounds like, okay, well, if, uh, there has to be a, I have to do that or else I can't have that, right? Well, that he is, what he's not getting at, and just to be clear, he's not saying you will lose your salvation if you do not live the, your life perfectly. That is not what he's saying. We know that we cannot lose our salvation because justification means that you've been declared righteous. And what God has declared, he's not going to take away because he's, he's God. He, once he has declared it, it's true. But what he's getting at here is that in our lives, in our, in our struggle with sin, we have to continue leaning into Jesus, trusting him, putting our old self to death, our old man, our old woman, putting it to death. Because we struggle with it, whatever it might be, whether it's money or position, job, you know, uh, possessions, idolatry, we struggle. But Paul says to continue, don't falter, don't fall into these things that are so easily take us in. You know, wh whether it's a philosophy in our culture that denies something like, the, like Jesus Christ as God. We have to continue in our faith. Trust that Jesus is who he says he is. Um, we need something to keep us, to help us, for us to trust in. Uh, you know, something more satisfying, something more enjoyable than anything the world could offer. And that's what he's getting at when he says, continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. For us to be stable and steadfast, we have to be something, on something solid. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus Christ. He is the answer to our hope. He is the hope of the gospel. So what hope means and we get a little confused about hope because in our culture, we just think of it, you know, I hope that happens. Uh, it's kind of uncertain. You know, maybe some of you hoped if you rooted for Tom Brady that he could beat the Cowboys, but that was not going to happen. Um, but there, what the Bible, the Bible's hope, it's certain. There is truth behind it. There is stock behind it that will not falter. The hope of the Bible is certain. And that is what will help us, what will keep us stable and steadfast in our faith as we continue. It's Jesus Christ. It's our relationship with Jesus. Seeking him, enjoying him, following him. So, just two points as we close. 
that I hope that we can believe and that we can live. First, the doctrine of Christ's deity, what we've kind of seen all throughout here, the other passages that we've seen, that Jesus is God. It's a stable and steadfast truth against false teaching, against what, you know, Islam, Mormonism, whatever, you know, the uh, Vermont's philosophies, whatever it might be. It's the, uh, the granola people's philosophies. Um, but it is a solid truth that we, have, we, we hold on to, that Jesus is God. Because if he was not God, then we really should be pitied because we have no salvation. Without Jesus being God, we needed a perfect substitute for our sin. But we do because Jesus was God. He is God. Lastly, if because Jesus is supreme above all things, that he is sovereign over all things, this will help us in our joy and our hope because we can trust him. We know that he's in control, that he holds all things together. What might come in your life, the, the uh, temptations, the struggles, lean in to your relationship with God. That, that does not mean always a, okay, I'm, I need to spend my time a, an hour or two reading my Bible so that I can lean into Christ. That is just a moment of moment by moment when things come into your life. Lord, I need you, Jesus. You are my Savior. You've forgiven me of my sin. Let me depend on you right now. Let me choose you as the better, the better thing than whatever is drawing me. You are the better joy, the better truth. So, take these, continue to look at this passage to see who Christ is, and let it soak into your life. Doctrinal truths like this are so important. It seems like just a heady thing, but as Proverbs talked about, wisdom and understanding, they are precious stones, precious truths for us to keep into our house, to keep in the house of the church in your life. So let me pray and we'll close. Dear Lord, Father, I, I pray that you will work in Redeemer's hearts, in, in Redeemer, this church, Lord, that you will encourage them, you will build them up in Christ. That as we take communion right now, Lord, that you will use it to give us a freshness of our faith, that you will um, give us a close relationship with you, God. Just ask that you would teach us and you would continue to show us yourselves, yourself and that we could understand you more. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.